0: As I was thinking about now transitioning from Acts into something different, I I thought um, as I was thinking about this week's message, I wanted to say thank you to Brian for speaking last week. Where is he at? He's in the back. What's that? The worship was good and um, just the the faithfulness that God shows up every week. I was thinking about... um, this really truth that I want to unpack this morning. But before I do, I I want to ask this question. How many of you guys as kids, or maybe even now, uh, play hide and seek? (laughs) (laughs) How does the game work? Some of you might ask. Well, one person counts. Well, one or a bunch of different people go and hide. That's the basic premise of this game. It's not, uh, it's, not very hard to get. If you didn't play it as a kid, I feel really sorry for you because as a kid, uh, I grew up before the days that my parents or any parents thought that you were going to be drugged into someone's house or kidnapped. I'm sure it was going on, but my parents just didn't worry about it. So we literally played these huge games of hide and seek. The only rule was you can't go in people's backyards, but everywhere else was fair game. And we played in the entire neighborhood. Sometimes we even got my dad to come out and play with us. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, the truth about hide and seek though is this. I was also a part of a group of kids that were ornery as heck. And so you would... Number one, either be counting one, two, three, and everybody together would go run into someone's backyard and start swimming. And then you're looking for people and you're like, I can't find anybody. Or everyone would say, Hey, as soon as Eric goes and hides, we're going to go swimming. And then you wait there forever, which seems like sometimes a million years. How many of you know that it is not fun to play hide and seek when it's like that, when you feel like you're out there, like what is going on? It's taking them forever to find me. I know I'm a really good hider, but I'm getting tired of sitting inside this garbage can. (laughs) You know, last week's message was really about growing up. Brian uh, really um, spoke to us about as believers, it's our responsibility to partake in our growing up process. And he really talked about some different aspects of how that looks for us. We understand that this is an integral part of a believer's life is to grow up and to read God's word and to pray and to be in community. And, and he gave many, many examples of what that looks like. And it really is about pursuit. It's about this relentlessly pursued. I feel like that you and I as believers should be relentlessly pursuing God to know God more and to invest in making that happen, whatever it takes. But let me ask you this question. And and this is really one of those questions that you kind of have to take a step back and really in your heart, be honest with yourself this morning. And it's this, how many of you've ever felt like you are in this hide and seek game with God and he stepped back and he's hiding. That he is not actively pursuing you, pushing forward, trying to find you, seeking you out. You're in the midst of whatever's going on because we all know that we have those whatever's in our lives. You can fill in the blank. You're probably really good at it just like I am. And you feel like you're helplessly alone. Because this is a two-way street, this relationship with God. We are to be relentlessly pursuing God. But I want this this truth that I want to unwrap a little bit this morning with you is that just as we are supposed to be relentlessly pursuing God, this relentlessly pursuit is talking about God towards us. The truth uh, that I want to unpack this morning is the universe that uh, before the universe was ever created, God had an intended purpose of pursuing us so much so that it's this incredible thing that when God thought about making mankind, he said, he said to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, because they're all one and one, three in one. He said, let's make man in our image. You know, God was intimately concerned about even the make of what we would look like. It wasn't just rubbish put together. You know, sometimes we think, well, Eve was made from the dirt and a rib from Adam." You know, oh, she's just, she's just a dirt bag. She's not. She was intimately created by a creator with purpose and a plan. Relentless means continuing without becoming weaker. I got to tell you, I get weak sometimes. And it's because oftentimes because of circumstances, I get discouraged Relentless is continuing without becoming weaker, remaining determined intensity, strength, and peace. And as sometimes when I, because sometimes we look at that word relentless and it's like that person relentlessly won't leave me alone. Right. (laughs) But that's exactly what I'm talking about because God is so relentless in his pursuit for us that we start from the beginning The beginning of time, Genesis three chapter our verse eight says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to them. Sometimes when you're playing hide and seek and you're just tired of looking for people, you go, okay, the game's over. Everybody come out. I'm tired of looking for you. Right? God knew something was wrong beyond the fact that he was all knowing. And he comes out and he, and it says that he was actively looking for them. He called out to man, where are you? And Adam said, he answered, "I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid.'" the conversation goes on and God says, well, how did you know that you were naked? And then it's this aha moment of you've done something that you weren't supposed to do which we drop down to verse 15 and we know that there was penalty for disobeying God, but here's how we know that God was actively pursuing relentlessly pursuing mankind. In verse 15, it says, and uh, God is talking to Satan here and I will put enmity between you and, and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel literally all that would happen to Jesus is he would stub his toe or his heel but the the entire network of satan's forces and armies will be crushed underneath that that's what the cross represents for us it represents victory and it, re, it represents the crushing of uh, satan's very authority over us in the very beginning of time you know, sometimes we look at this plan of salvation and Jesus going to the cross and we think it's just because of happenstance. It's because Jesus or God really didn't know what was taking place. So he just kind of put a plan together on the fly. That's what we do. You know, we always have plan A and plan B, but plan A was always the cross. But sometimes we look at uh, at, at the story throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we say, well, that's no, that's plan B. No, it was plan A. We see that within the first three chapters of Genesis. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Galatians four, four through five. So it was always the plan. There was always purpose. God bless you. <laughs> the second part of this is that uh, God is relentlessly pursuing you from the start of your life. In Psalm 139, 7 through 12, some of my favorite verses, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Church, church, from the Jesus, God is actively pursuing you, relentlessly pursuing you. There is nowhere you can go. I think sometimes we we go and we like to it's it's human nature. We like to sin, and we think that we can go and well, if I set this up here, I can hide back here from God, and I can sin. There's nowhere we can go that God's presence isn't actively pursuing us. I get so excited about that because we, I. There have been times in my life when I'm walking through life and I feel so far from God. I say, I I literally have cried out to God, God, it feels like you are nowhere around. There's actually even this uh, proverbial thing that says like footprints in the sand, and it it talks about uh, you're walking with God. Hand in hand and you you see two sets of footprints, but then all of a sudden in the midst of the most devastating things in your life, all of a sudden there's one set of footprints and you're like, God, where in the heck did you go in in my misery? And it says "In in your misery, I was carrying you, right? Well, that's God all the time. No, you know, we've made this nice thing packaged up and little footprints in the sand, which goes well for our community because we live by the ocean. But the truth is, is there is nowhere we can go. There is no circumstances that we can experience. There is nothing that we can go through in life that we are not actively being pursued, relentlessly being pursued by God. There is nothing in heaven nor in hell. There is nowhere from east to west that God is not actively pursuing us. Here's something else beautiful. One chapter... Um, Psalm 139 verse 17 says how precious, precious it is Lord to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And I, when I wake in the morning, you are still thinking of me. I get chills. I don't know about you, but because there are times in my life and maybe you are walking through some of those times right now. That you feel like, man, God, where are you? When I read God's word, I take it for face value. Some people are like, what? You really believe that a guy was swallowed by a well? You know, I might be the most foolish person ever, but I do. And we can go through scripture and read all kinds of crazy things because we know there's a talking donkey in there, okay? (laughs) We can go through the entire Bible and look at all these things that we can look at and go, pfft. I don't know about that. But I take the word of God at face value and when it says that he is thinking about me constantly, man, God, you love me. When I think of that, I just think, God, you love me because you are willing to think about me all the time. Jesus is proof of God's relentless pursuit of us. Did you know that? John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only one son for God so loved the world, that He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent a son for you and I, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up not, not only playing hide and seek, but we took it to a whole nother level because you can't just always just play regular hide and seek, right? Well, we would go camping and how many of you have gone camping before and there's no moon in the sky and it's pitch black. Well, we would play this thing called flashlight tag. It was awesome. You had a few minutes to go out and hide in the field, which I oftentimes thought of, uh, bears, mountain lions, or maybe even the possibility of Bigfoot. I don't know. And we'd go out there and hide and you'd sit. And every time you heard something creak, you're like, well, that person doesn't have a flashlight. What is it? You know, but the one person that was, it would have the flashlight and they would, they couldn't turn it on until they thought that they heard you slash thought you were there and they would turn it on. No, that's not you. And you play this game. I I love playing flashlight tag. It was awesome. And as I was reading John 12, it reminded me of playing flashlight tag. Because it says in John 12, 44 through 47. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me. When you read scripture and it says that Jesus cried out. Do you actually, in your mind, visit that? That Jesus is literally saying, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. You know, sometimes... And whoever sees me, you know, I read scripture like that. So it says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You know, it was kind of, it was always kind of a, um, how good I finally got found moment when you're playing flashlight tag because the darkness, it is very dark. There's so much um, symbolism in that. I don't know where you guys sit this morning, but I found myself in darkness before that. It felt like this darkness was overcoming that that darkness was relenting instead of God relent, not relenting. You know, it felt like, it felt like, where can I go to get, get away from this? But scripture makes it plain and clear. I've come into the world as lights so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So get this. Jesus is actively pursuing us, relentlessly pursuing us. The point of going, you no longer have to live in the darkness that you find yourself in. Boom. Let there be light. Did you know that if, if you go up to the lighthouses here, they're awesome. I love um, driving up the coast and visiting the lighthouses, but they, they literally have this blanket or this, this tarp to wrap around the light because if that light were to stop and the light would be shown onto the trees, it would literally cause those trees to catch on fire. That's how bright and magnified that light is. If that light has the power to do that, can you imagine the light that is reflected, that is put out by Jesus? Come on, church. Nuclear. I like that. I guess that's pretty hot. I just think of the fact that you and I, we live as if we are the only ones putting any effort in. And I really wanted to just make it very clear this morning that we are, not, we are not the only ones involved in this relationship with God. God is actively pursuing you to the point that he sent his only son to be sacrificed for you and I on a cross for redemption of our sins. Jesus came into this world to not only be light, but to save the entire world. How many of us sometimes think that God's late to the, to the party? If we're honest this morning, you know? I know I look around and I can see some people going through some things. And in your mind this morning, you possibly think, God, you've missed the boat on this issue in my life. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus crosses the lake to the region of Gerizimus. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You know, one of the first messages I spoke here was about the fact that Jesus was walking through the countryside and he came to this well, right? And he told his disciples, go and find some food. I'm going to sit here and wait. And while they went away, a woman came to draw water at the well. And he says, I want to give you living water. Do you remember that? It was, it was a long time ago. I spoke that message. I know that some of you, I know that Laura remembers that message. Cause she said, she tells me often about that message. Sometimes we look at Jesus and we think he just bumbled his way through life. You know, I just happened at this well and I'm going to kick back and I'm going to wait for the disciples to go get me some food. And this lady just happened to come to the well and he radically transformed an entire community because he brought her living water and she took that living water to her community. She lived in, let me tell you about a man who told me about my past and he is the Messiah. Well, sometimes I think that we think when we look at scripture, Jesus got in a boat and he happened to land In the region of Gerasenes. And he got off the boat. And it was just by pure accident that this man who had suffered these incredible things happened to see him. Right? Church, Jesus is a little bit more poignant than that. I don't think that anything that Jesus did was bumbling around. And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is never late or early he comes in the perfect time for whatever situation you're feeling. Because in that pursuit, sometimes we feel like it, the time is now. Where are you? Because we're human beings and we like to have it here and now, right? But God in his perfect timing allows for all situations, circumstances to come in their timing. Can you imagine being this man? He was so tormented that literally, and again, we come back to this fact that I believe literally that this man was able through demonic reasons and purposes to break these chains that had bound him. And he used to cry out and cut himself with stones. What drives a person to do that? Right. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God in God's name? Don't torture me for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirits. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the demon said, my name is Legion. He replied for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again, not to send him out of the area. And if you remember the story, Jesus agreed to send these demons into a herd of pigs, which then forcefully ran themselves off a cliff and died. And it freaked the community out that was around that those pig herders belonged to. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Some of you guys found your way through the doors of this church. Some of you are new. Many of you are not. And you find yourself here this morning thinking, can my situation be redeemed? I look around and there's people that need a redemption story to happen in their lives. Amber shared that story last week. Thank you, Amber. Because it reminds us that God is always with us. He is always actively pursuing us with everything relentlessly. And that's not a negative. He is so in love with us. And you may feel like God has forgotten you in your place that you're in, that you found yourself this morning in. And I would encourage you to know this, that you have not been forgotten about that. Your redemption story may just be taken a little longer than you anticipated or you wanted, but I can guarantee you this, that Jesus wants redemption, reconciliation. He wants to cause this radical thing to take place in your life. And he is not early and he is not late and your redemption will, will take place in God's timing. The second thing I think of when I think of Jesus uh, in his pursuit of us is not, um, is the fact that he doesn't look at our current condition. Can we all say amen? amen? I've talked about this before because I think that this is very important to understand is to come through the doors of this church, specifically this church, and I would hope every church, but I know that that's not the case, that God. Is not concerned about you cleaning yourself up before you come through these doors. And I, and I read Luke chapter 7. Where Jesus has been invited um, by some Pharisees to come to a party and recline at his table. And then all, all of a sudden in walks this woman. Who the Bible says had lived a sinful life. She came with her alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him. As she wept, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who have been invited by him saw this taking place, they were saying, how can this man be a prophet? Does he not know who's touching him? What kind of woman she is? She is a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. I, when I read this, I picture this. You know, when you want to be really liked by someone, you, you really get like, okay, tell me, tell me. I can imagine Simon thinking like, I'm about to get something really good from Jesus. And Jesus is about to. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me teacher. He said two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So they, he forgave both debts. Now, which one of them? will love him more. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven you were, you have judged correctly. You know, there's a saying is just because you put makeup on a pig doesn't mean that that pig's no longer a pig. <laughs> and, the, and although we justify our sin and try to make it look beautiful. And sometimes we think that our, and sometimes, you know, honestly, sin does make us look beautiful. Sometimes sin enables us to look a certain way, act a certain way, but it doesn't make it godly and it doesn't make it acceptable. It's like, it's like putting some paint on a pig's face and calling it a beautiful woman. Jesus looked at this woman that walked through these doors and everybody ridiculed, not only her, but him and said, how dare you even allow her to touch you? And Jesus looked at the condition of this woman's heart and said, that woman's heart is broken and she needs redemption. And it comes back to this redemption story. Jesus is actively pursuing redemption for you. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter where you are. And it doesn't matter where you're going because your, the price has already been paid on the cross. In two weeks, we will celebrate Jesus' resurrection, his victory over Sin and death. And this story, it's such a beautiful story of just redemption and Jesus radical pursuit of who we are. There's a few more examples that I'd like to share this morning uh, quickly as we come to an end this morning with our time. I did just look at the clock. Wanda, I apologize. You're going to always, she's going to always hear that one. There's a few, uh, there's eight things that I would like to point out that we see God's relentless pursuit of us. The first is creation. His, His personally creating for us intimacy with him is constantly thinking about us. He's intimately concerned. Not only did he create this beautiful world for us to enjoy and to partake in, but he created you intimately with who you are. The Bible says that, before you even came out of your mother's womb, he was knitting you together in perfection. How awesome is that? Because he is intimately concerned about who you are. That he knit you together in perfection in your mother's womb. In the incarnation, the Father revealed through the Son his living word. We, we've already talked about that this morning, but but literally Jesus is a representation of, of God's pursuit of us. An in inspiration. His word written to us, his personal love letter in which he reveals himself. You know, oftentimes we use this and it simply becomes words in a book. But this is so much more than words in a book. This has the ability to change lives. And through this, through the men and women that God used to write this, We have proof that God is pursuing us by the cross. He died for us while we're still sinners, and continues to demonstrate his love for us. Incredible, right? This next part, uh, is there anybody that was a foster kid or, or adopted in here? A few get this. Each and every one of us has been adopted into the sonship of Jesus, daughtership of Jesus. He chose to adopt us as the sons and daughters before creation. He has blessed us. He has chose us before creation, predestined us to adopt, uh, uh, to be adopted as his children. He lavished his grace on us and he made known the mysteries of his plan. that everything would be brought through in Christ. My dad was a foster kid, so he knows what it feels like to be unloved by an earthly parent. Some of you guys, you may not have been adopted, but you know what it feels like to not be loved by an earthly parent. Well, God radically comes in and says, you are not that stigma of that no longer has to exist because you have been bought with a purpose and a price. You are an an adopted son and daughter. If that doesn't show how, radically passionate God's pursuit of who we are is. I don't know what will for him to take a scraggly guy like me and accept me for who and, and how I am by his indwelling spirit. God sent his spirit to live in us. The guarantee that we belong to him and are his heirs. His spirit in us urges us in Christ for intimacy, producing hunger for God. Literally, God gave us part of who he was to be inside of us. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty intimate, right? And if that aspect doesn't bring it home, that God is radically pursuing us, I don't know what will. How about a new covenant? It was, it was all his uh, initiative to say, I will live in you and you will be, and I will be your God and you will be my people. And I will write my law in your heart. God literally came by Jesus Christ to live in our, our lives. And you know, if that is an authentic thing that takes place, he's not ever moving out. When, uh, when Kylo, she's going to hate me for saying this, but when she was like four years old, she got, uh, saved. And a couple weeks, months later that passed and she got the flu. And, uh, one night I took the bucket up there and it's an ugly thing. When your kids get the flu, well, all of a sudden she got done throwing up. She's like, I threw up Jesus right out of my heart. (laughs) The awesome thing is, is the new covenant, Jesus coming to live in you. He doesn't move out when you throw up, right? (laughs) Sorry, Kyla. Or Or when you mess up. And then the last thing this morning is by sanctification, he is presently, actively, and personally cleansing us from the power of sin and, and transforming us into his likeness. Yes. He's in the process of decorating our lives with his beauty, his character, mm-hmm. to be made known to the world. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Sanctification through Jesus Christ. All because God is actively pursuing us. Philippians 1 6 says, God Initiated his work in us and will finish it into eternity. He is intimately involved in our lives, training and disciplining us with his love to make us holy and like his son, Hebrews 12 and Romans 8. As we, as we approach Easter, I think there are a few things that I want us to see. And it's that, as I said, the cross was not an afterthought. From the very beginning, God's been pursuing us. Next week, we're going to, we're going to take a look at, um, what do we do with things that God asks us to do or does that just doesn't make sense. Cause don't, you know, every time Jesus would say, I'm going to the cross, his disciples would say, what in the heck for? Right. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes this morning? Now, there, there may be some people in here that as you sat here, you realize that there's a God that is in pursuit of your very heart and mind. And I want to take this opportunity just to say, if that's you this morning, Jesus wants to come in and, and have this incredible relationship that we've been talking about. And I want to say, if you've not made that commitment and you don't make it this morning, God will continue to pursue you. But is there, if there is anybody in here that as you listen to me talk, sometimes not so eloquently. If you've been sitting in here and and you desire to have that relationship that I kept talking about and you've never rose your hand before, this has never been even something you've thought of. Maybe you thought of it and you just couldn't go there. That's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? There anybody? I see you back there. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that God does this miraculous thing. That you will be saved. And so this morning as you just raised your hand. That happened. And the Bible also says that when you raise your hand. And you confess your sins. And you enter in a relationship with Jesus. That the angels rejoice in heaven. So right now there's angels rejoicing in heaven. They're throwing a party. So Father God. We thank you for the opportunity of being here together this morning. Lord we. Uh are excitingly anticipating Easter, not because of just it being another holiday, but because of what it represents and what it means for us. Mm-hmm. Let us not make this a one-time thing, even in our own minds and our hearts, but may we live out with joy the fact that you are actively, relentlessly pursuing us. Father God, when we feel like we are completely alone, may you come and bring victory in our thoughts in our hearts may we acknowledge that when we have relationship with you we are never alone so father god i pray that you would be glorified through our lives that you would be that you would be a god that is pleased with how we live our lives and lord may we remember that you are always with us in your name we pray amen Amen. have a wonderful week and uh, god bless you guys